0: welcome into another episode of Till Mets to Us Part. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter and X and whatever else you want to call that platform. I don't know what it's called. My video just froze, but you can still hear me. I promise I'm going to work on that here coming up in a second. At least I don't look horrific in the video that I'm seeing that's slightly frozen at the moment. Anyway, John Sapinero out in Los Angeles, California, where it is sunny once again. Uh, it had flooded. It had been rainy. It had been miserable, but we are back to some Southern California weather. It least in terms of sunshine uh the temperature leaves a lot to be desired but that means that my co-host Matt Ibi Ibanez is holding things down back in New Jersey Ibi how you feeling man
1: I am freezing John it is cold over here in Jersey so I'm envious of you when it comes to the uh to the nicer weather if you will but uh other than that I'm doing pretty well uh unlike uh a majority of our you know Mets fans out there that are going through it at the moment in terms of uh, the news that I'm sure that we're going to talk about in length. Um, I can see some people in the chat already hitting on it. So hopefully um, we can do what we do best. And that is calm people down, act as that what we said from day one, we will always be. And that is a therapy session for those Mets fans uh, to talk them off the cliff that a lot of them tend to be on at the moment. Um, But, yeah, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's do the thing we do every Wednesday.
0: Yeah, man, let's do it. Look, uh, before we get started, just real quickly, a couple uh, bits of housekeeping. Uh, of course, if you can't watch this show in its entirety, you can catch uh, the entire broadcast once it's done on the YouTube channel that you're watching it on right now. And if you can't do any of that, remember, there's still an audio version of this podcast that, uh, you know, since we've gone full live, I know a lot of people like it's to somewhere. watch it and interact this way uh yeah it's been weird um we have two streams right now concurrently for this uh, Uh, podcast depending on the platform that you listen on so if you're on apple if you're on amazon uh make sure you search the podcast tillmets do us part and you will find the one with the new branding and everything, and you will find us. Um, if you're on Spotify or Google Podcast, which is going away soon, uh, nothing mm-hmm. has changed, and you're going to get everything that you see and want to hear and all that stuff. So uh, just keep that in mind as we work through uh, what is some back-end BS issues that have nothing to do Annoying. with us, have nothing to do with Brella, have nothing to do no. even with Chop Sports or Premiere. It is no. just some back-end BS that we are dealing with right now. So, um, But you can listen to this show on any of those podcast platforms about an hour after we're done here which is nice the mm-hmm. turnaround time used to be uh in the morning tomorrow but guess what the turnaround time now is around 7 p.m eastern standard time mm-hmm. or thereabouts. so um we love that just want to yes. make sure that you're finding us in the right places and of course you see at the bottom of the screen uh manscape we're still running strong with them right now so you can mm-hmm. use the code tmdup um for 20 off and free shipping site wide uh courtesy of manscaped uh from us here at tilt mets do us part anyway um, we got to talk about what everybody was talking about, Ibby. It is the big news of the day, and that is the casting for the Fantastic Four movie <laughs> has finally been released. The guy from Stranger Things is in it. Cousin from the Bear is in it. Uh, no, that's not what we're talking about. Um, I thought we were going to no. open up talking about the extension that uh, never happened with uh, Francisco Alvarez, right. courtesy of uh, Hector Gomez, that fucking ass clown. No but clown. no, we're not going to talk about that at the start. We are going to talk about that. I have some strong feelings, as I'm sure does my partner and everybody here in the chat. So keep that stuff flowing. Uh, yeah, Patty in NYC saying, Manscaped! Yes, yeah, so you got to talk about it. We have to talk about it because we'd like to pay the bills at some point. Anyway, um, so uh be... The thing we have to talk about jumping things off here is uh, Kodai Senga and his arm, experiencing a little bit of arm fatigue, which, yeah. look, before games <clears throat> even get started, is one, both not problematic at all, and two, a little eyebrow raising, right? Like, you kind of look at it, I-, I can't fault people for feeling one way or another. Let me put it that way. If yeah. people are a little concerned, I can't fault them for it. The Mets don't have a terrific track record in terms of their ability to handle stuff like this, nor do they have, let's call it, a terrific amount of luck when it comes to handling stuff like this. So I don't really, I'm not going to be on people for being a little concerned, a little eyebrow raised, a little negative. I'm going to try to take the positive side of it and just say that it's a long off season guys work, guys start to ramp it up now and start to get ready for spring training. And sometimes, you know, they feel a little bit of fatigue because I don't know what Kodai Senga's um, regimen is exactly, but I'm sure that he took it easy a bit And now he is fully gung-ho. You know, maybe he took it easy over the last three weeks or whatever, preparing for the start of spring training or whatever it might be. So um, I don't think it's a huge deal, at least not right this moment. But Mm -hmm. I can't fault people for feeling that it might be. So your thoughts on Kodai Senga?
1: I'm with you in that, you know, I know people are shocked when you hear arm fatigue. It's like, well, we just started. How can your arm be fatigued? Look, people work out during the offseason. Things happen. You ramp things up. Maybe it went a little bit too hard, too fast, whatever it may be. I understand these guys are athletes, but things happen. Things can, you know, crop up if you will. And um, look, it's it's February twenty first. I'm not going to join a lot of people, and I'm sure people, some people in this chat as well, uh, but a majority of people that I saw on the timeline right away, the second I saw that drop, um, I know we have our Mets chat, and you know, I I said I I don't want to look at the timeline. I don't want to look at it because I know what the vibe is going to be and of course I listened to my own advice and I looked and I was like this is a nightmare I'm I'm I got to tune off even though I don't like turning off Twitter you know when um when it's a show day but I was like I got to distance myself from this because again February 21st I can't get down like a lot of people are I, and it's not so much like I'm telling you how to fan or anything like that cuz I understand what you're saying like we've been through we've been down this road before Last year, Verlander, like we've been down this road. We know that there were contingencies put into Kodai Senga's contract uh, when he signed it based off of the fear of a UCL or the elbow or whatever. So look, I understand people can be a little bit worried, but at the same time, I'm going to allow things to play out because it's a day. I know that, uh, I think it was Anthony DeComo put something out before about the latest that they knew saying how they thought that, it was nothing or it was going to be it was very minor but of course the follow-up to that the next sentence was but sometimes kodai saying is a little bit hard to read so every, of course everyone runs with that and they're like oh it's a little cryptic and this and that so everyone wants to jump off the bridge already i can't do it i refuse to um i can't get down on this already before like i was going to say this more towards the middle or the end but at the same i don't know what you about you john and you can throw your piece in on this as well But I can already tell, more so than other years, that 2024, as excited as I am to watch this season, I can already tell that this is going to be beyond a frustrating season from a fan perspective, from fan versus fan, and whatever people want to look at in terms of watching, you know, the fighting uh, and that nonsense that always comes to the territory of Mets Twitter, but also, you know, not for me. Yeah, no, not from you. Uh, <laughs> Alonzo discourse, which we'll get into again, um, I'm sure on this show, but coupled with that, it just feels like it's going to be, no matter what happens with the team on the field, as always, it just feels like it's, it's going to be very frustrating because of the things that are going to be constantly talked about. And if Kodai Senga is hurt, which we hope he isn't, but if he is, it's only going to add to that fire and make things worse. And that that's that's what's making me so bothered is the fact that, it's February 21st and the joy of baseball from many, you know, is already almost borderline being ripped away from from me, from others that are looking forward to the season. But of course, we come down to the negative you know the negative aspect that comes with being a Mets fan and, and getting drowned out by that is very frustrating.
0: Yeah, we'll jump into the comments here before I give a little bit more on on my thoughts. Carson saying, Senka just wants to pitch 399 innings so we can keep him for the next two years, right? And then a sobbing emoji after that. Uh, Charlie saying, uh, and Mets Twitter needs to stop going into panic mode every time we hit a speed bump, but good luck with that. It's a great point. Um, Patty in NYC, PB saying, Kodai Senga is fine. He just needs to get his arm back in shape. But then again... Fingers crossed emoji. Uh Carlos Ramos, who hasn't been in the live chat in a couple weeks, saying what up, and then followed it up by saying, I see a lot has happened to till Mets do a Smart in the last two weeks. I missed, following it up by saying they even got their own discount code for Manscaped Brella in full effect. Yes, yes, indeed. All of those things are true. Um, look, and then we got John Minkoni checking in. Uh dope hat, Ibby. Uh Thank no comments do. about uh no comments about my hat, but that's cool. Um that's fine. It's <laughs> it's totally fine. It's fine, John. I don't I don't I don't feel any kind of I don't feel any kind of way about it. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I really don't. It's fine. Um, No, look, you know, Andrew F. saying negative aspect comes from mostly Met fans that enjoy the bad news. And that's where I'm going to kind of draw the line on what I just said a moment ago and kind of take what you said and what I said, you know, one step further. If you're a little annoyed by the fact that he has arm fatigue, I understand that. If you're a little frustrated, and I always tell people not to get down in the dumps. If you're a little down in the dumps right now, like, oh God, why does this always happen to us kind of thing? I understand that too. Yeah. Again, I'm going to choose to go in another direction. I'm going to choose to be a bit more positive, at least until we have more information. But I understand where the frustration is. I understand where the, you know, why does this shit always happen to us kind of creep in. So if you're going to give me that, I have no problem, and I'm not going to tell you how to fan. But this comment from Andrew really does make a lot of sense to me, and it's like the Met fans that enjoy the bad news, you guys can fuck right off. Like the ones that are going to sit there and say, oh, I told you this would happen. Like, you don't know you didn't. You don't know a thing about, Kodai Senga's preparation, like I said at the beginning, like I don't know what his preparation is in terms of his timeline, how he throws, when he throws, how he ramps up, how he normally feels this time of spring training. Like, I don't know that. Neither does, you know, uh, uh, Joe in New Jersey. Neither does, uh, you know, Brian681470331 on Twitter. Like, these people don't know. So don't save your I told you sos. Save your I said this, I said that. Because the same people that are going to come up and say that, if this winds up being nothing, which we all hope it is, well, they're going to disappear. They're never going to say, oh, I was wrong. No, no. Like never. they're never going to say, never. oh, my bad. They're never going to say, oops, I jumped the gun. So if you're coming at it from that tactic, save it. I don't want to hear it. If you're sitting there going, listen, John, I can't help but feel a little pessimistic. For, for you, I have sympathy. For you, I say, listen, I, I'm again, I'm not going that way. But I understand why you might feel that way. Um, John Manconi now chiming in from uh, Twitter, or excuse me, YouTube, saying "basic bitch hat" about my hat. <laughs> um, that's fine, you know what? And uh, listen, I, I know, I know Keith Blacknick, who's in the comments, also hates the black hat and the black uniforms, and they changed it. This hat doesn't even exist anymore because they right. got rid of the white outline. So you know what? I guess my hat. And I like the white out.
1: outline. I like, right um, I like it
0: too. I don't mind I like him without it without the white outline. I think it looks uh, pretty cool, but this is a, this is a sincere comment from, um, from John Manconi, who's, who's watching us on, on Twitter right now. Uh, excuse me. I keep saying Twitter on YouTube um, better now than April or May dead arms happen to most at some point throughout the season, sometimes multiple times he'll probably throw through it. He'd probably throw through it if it was mid season. Yeah. I mean, this is coming from a guy who was a professional pitcher. For a very long time. So Worship I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go with with what uh, John McConney has to say here rather than I'm gonna go with even how I feel, how you feel, yeah, or certainly why with people yeah. you know echoing all this bullshit on Twitter. And I haven't seen too much of it, but granted, this news dropped about 30 or 40 minutes before we went live, and yeah. I was kind of busy, you were kind of busy, and, and we didn't get an opportunity to really dive deep into the muck. But you know, again, I'm gonna take John McConney. A, a professional pitcher's take, and somebody who now works with pitchers. I'm going to yeah. take his word for it more so than I'm going to take anybody else's, even my own.
1: No, absolutely, and, I, and again, that's why I asked the question because when we have the opportunity to ask someone who has been there, who works with pitchers, who's been, you know, maybe I don't, I don't know if John Facili, if, if, if you've experienced arm fatigue and things like that, and what it's like and dealing with it. Look, we don't know anything. And I just I hate the fact that we jump off the cliff before anything is. And look, I get we have been snake bitten before, so it's hard to get beyond that until it disappears and doesn't become a constant thing for a team, for a franchise, or what have you. But I'm sorry, I can't do it. I have to wait until if there is an MRI, if more information comes out, I'm not going to to allow myself to get down this quick and and say okay, he's out for the next you know four or five months Like, i'm not doing it i can't i will allow it to play out and if it does happen it sucks i'm not going to say like oh it's great just next man up it's like no there's a lot riding on what kodai Senga was supposed to be for this starting rotation we all knew that we once they decided to roll with the high risk high reward type of rotation that they were going with They were still going with the six man. We knew that was going to come. We knew that was going to happen. Will Salmon and Tim Britton did a great job on the athletic breaking down why the Mets were silent on that. And then they were moving and the the whole time they were operating as if it was going to be a six man. So they knew that when they signed that contract, this could be a potential issue with him when it comes to his arm. They had to do everything they can to protect him and they are doing that. So I think that this is being also abundantly overly cautious because of his importance to this team allow it to happen february 21st if he needs to take a take a week off or what have you, whatever they have to do you go about it in that sense as opposed to trying to be a hero push through things now and it hurts you when things really matter is it going to hurt when it comes to his build up and, and getting ready for a season it might a little bit but to minconi's point better now than later
0: yeah i i, I can't help but agree with that you know across the board um let me see what uh, there's a great comment here from Yuki Kodai Senga news equals Frank, the tank doing the Snoopy dance. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like just trying to just trying to stay away from, from those kinds of takes. And, um, oh speaking, <laughs> speaking we got of, takes we got, to, we got some beef happening, uh, friendly beef. I'm sure. Joe, Joe Dimeo has been on the show a bunch of times. Love Joe, uh, saying John McHoney stinks. And then John McHoney saying, Oh, you will have in here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually don't think, I think for, for as much shit oh. as I was going to say, we talk, but really for as yeah. much shit as I talk, um, I don't think we've ever banned anybody from being on this show. We've allowed <laughs> no, people no. that I've had active beefs with. I was actually going to invite somebody. Somebody like I, I didn't. I ultimately didn't. We have a. There's a a Mets creator. Nobody cares about this, but whatever. Uh, there's like a Mets creators. Um. Twitter thing that uh, I think Carson decided to do. And a bunch of people have like slowly been jumping into that. And now there's some mm-hmm. Mets fans in there too. And so people have been like really pushing and sharing each other's content or whatever. And I think somebody shared our stuff. And then uh, some, some like nameless faceless D bag on Twitter was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And you were like, no, but like, yeah, well, at least you can get 20% off on manscaped or whatever. Like you, you yeah. kind of killed him with kindness. Yeah. And yeah. then they were like no thanks and I'm not watching your shitty podcast either. Yeah, 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 was, yeah. Dude, yeah. I was so close to being like here's the link, come on the show. Put your face and your name yeah. where your mouth is. You invisible fucking troll. <laughs> like I yeah. was I didn't do it. But I should have because like these people are never ever ever going to show their face.
1: Him, I gave him 20% off, but he still gave me an ad. So I was trying to be the nice guy. That guy sucked.
0: Okay, um no, but look, the the last thing I'll, I'll say about um about Senga's arm is that when, when the Mets are in a weird position right now because you look at the free agents that are still available, and we talked about it last week, we talked about it the week before. We talked about how the money that the Mets would have to pay to acquire one of these guys doesn't make sense on a one-year term because they'd have to give up a qualifying offer and pay like 110% on the dollar amount because they're over the third luxury tax threshold. So it doesn't make a lot of sense in a lot of situations, Ibby. But, and I don't think this Senga news really factors in, but I wanted to bring this up to you today anyway. So I think on the heels of the Senga news, I want to talk a little bit about these players that are still available that the Mets could, I'm not saying should, I'm not saying will, could potentially pivot to that makes sense for the Mets that may have made sense before anything with Senga. That certainly now, if there is something, anything, or if they really want to go with a true six man for the entirety of the season, they could operate that way. And that's namely Blake Snell and to a more realistic degree, Jordan Montgomery. The longer that they sit out there, and now you're looking at why maybe uh, Scott Boris has let these guys sit out there. Again, I'm not saying that the news with um, Senga is bad or that it's going to be bad, but this is what he was hoping for, Scott Boris, that is. He's hoping to get to camp and guys maybe aren't 100% healthy. Look, right. you turn around, and you look at the Texas Rangers who just won a World Series. Well, DeGrom is out half the year, and Scherzer is out for who knows how long, maybe right. the first two months of the season also. Right. So that's why I think a lot of people have said, oh, Jordan Montgomery makes the most sense to go back to mm-hmm. Texas, because they need pitching. They're coming off of a World Series. They're an otherwise good team, and they have two guys. I don't think Scherzer's an ace anymore. I think DeGrom could still be one, but they have two guys who, who are at the top of the rotation, you really only need Montgomery to be a three in that rotation. You have a couple of other guys in Eovaldi and Gray who have been hurt over the course of their career. Jordan Montgomery pitches every day, Jordan Mon- or every fifth day. Jordan Montgomery's always out there, and over the last two years, he's really unlocked something where he's gotten a bit better than what he was when he was first with the Yankees. So while I think all of that stuff relates to the Rangers, I think the longer this goes on, and I think just whatever is going on with Kodai Senga, good, bad, indifferent, nothing burger or not, maybe I think it does open up the conversation that we don't want to have again, which is will any of these free agents sign with the Mets? But I do think it opens it up a little bit. That's all I'm saying. I think the Mets could get involved. I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying they could.
1: You're not wrong in saying that they could. Look, it all comes down to what they want to do in terms of said money. Um, I, I still think that, you know, the idea of not paying against that tax at 110 percent is still a factor here. Now, look, are there ways that you can skate around that, and you know, um, you know, design a contract to not kill you this season? Yeah, of course there is. Like, you
0: could backload if, the deal. You could if, put some if, of the if, money into a year when you know you're going to be lesser on that threshold in two. But then years something like
1: now. that. Yeah, of course. But then something and. Like, that was to my point but like is scott boris going to do that for his client is that what he wants for Jordan? Mo- is that what jordan montgomery wants like would he come in and on this first year pitch on a lesser amount and then backload things for the coming two three years for like whatever it would take to uh to get him to come here like i don't know but i do think that that tax is still an issue and i think it's just ridiculous when i see people posting crazy things on on twitter or x whatever we're calling it uh, in terms of like, oh, give Blake Snell one year, $40 million. It's like, no, you're not giving him one year, basically $90 million because of what's going to happen with said tax. Like, it's not going to work that way. Jordan Montgomery makes sense. I've been a Jordan Montgomery proponent, uh, wanting him on this team for the entire offseason because of what he brings to the table, which is innings. He's there every fifth day. He pitches 180 innings a season. He has done that his entire career. I think he fits. I don't think that they're going to end up doing it because I still think that they are watching said money. I know people don't want to hear that because of all the money in the world that Cohen has, but I still think they're trying to do what other smart teams do as well, which is reset that threshold and then re-attack it the next season. That's what I think is going to happen. I think Jordan Montgomery makes all the sense in the world on a three to four year deal. All the sense in the world. He wants the Carlos Rodon contract. He wants that money. I don't he's think he's not going gonna to get, get it. it. He's, he's not, not. going to get it. But that's why he's be, still a free agent. That's why he's not still a
0: free agent. He's not going to get it because none of these teams are going to jump in now at this time. Somebody said it before. It, it might have been Mets vent. I'll scroll up and try to find it. Yeah, Mets vent saying when I was mentioning the Rangers and, and why he makes sense for them. And too bad the Rangers are broke. But the problem is, is that these teams now with the start of spring training. They're not going to dive in for a seven year contract. They're not going to do it right now. They would, if this was, you know, an elite, elite player, right? But the players that we're talking about all have warts on them. They all have potential to be very good to great. They all have potential to be some of the worst contracts signed in baseball. You guys remember the Chris Bryant deal? I do. You know yeah. you remember you, you remember the, the the deal that some of these players the, the deal that Barry Zito got I know they're less money but in terms of the market at the time you know Barry Zito and uh CJ Wilson right CJ Wilson got that big deal yep. from the Angels like they, they all have the potential to be this kind of, of of blow up in your face now they all have potential to be very good right. and some of them have potential to be great you know I think if you get You know, Matt Chapman on the right deal. Now, Matt Chapman's not a great player, but he could be a great signing because he does some stuff great. He hits for a good amount of pop, and he plays a great third base. So if you got him on your terms, it could be a great deal for you. He could have some great seasons, but it doesn't mean that they are going to be – you know, great gets for you if you're just going all in. These are not the kinds of players that you go all in for. So I don't know, man. I, it just brings me back to something we've talked about before, something I know they talked about on fell territory. But this free agent system for the Mets is uh, for for major League baseball, excuse me, is is broken. It is fundamentally broken. And, and I think, Ibby, the reason why is because they have de incentivized the teams, the big market teams, from being the big market teams. Yeah. They've de incentivized it to a point because they were trying to get the mid market teams and, dare I say, the small market teams to catch up and play ball in that same arena. But what you've done is you've made it so punitive for the big market teams to do it that they don't do it unless they know that they're close to a championship. Now, the Dodgers are doing it because the Dodgers look at the money they can make off the field with Yamamoto and Shohei, and they already had massive money invested in Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And and to them, it's like, look, we're chasing a championship every year right now. The way that we're built, we're primed for a championship every season, so we're going to keep chasing it. If the Mets won 103 games again last year, the Mets, would be, the Mets would have went all in on one of these guys. They would, they would. have, because if you're primed for a championship, you're going to keep doing it. So the Dodgers are now the anomaly. They're the exception to the rule. Look at the Red Sox. The Red Sox would try and try and try to compete with the Yankees every single year at the top of payroll to make sure that they had a competitive enough team to try to win the division. Now, once they changed the playoff structure... Once they change the luxury tax threshold, it's the same owner. It's just, ah, you know what? We're probably not going to win a World Series this year. We're probably not going to win a World Series next year or the next three years. So why am I going to get in bed with these massive contracts? So they've deincentivized it for the upper market teams, but the smaller market teams and the mid-tier teams have not done it either. They're not doing it. They're not even trying to do it. There are players out there and I'm not talking about uh, Matt Chapman. I'm not even talking about Blake Snell. There are players out there that can help teams that are good, that are trying to make the playoffs in an expanded playoff format. You're telling me Tim Anderson can't get a one-year deal for a team that's like, okay, you know, we might need a shortstop, we might need a second baseman, we'll give wow. him a one-year prove-it deal. Like, he can't get a deal. Yeah. Nobody wants to pay any money. You can't, you're, you're telling me that Lorenzen can't get a deal? Now, Lorenzen is not Blake Snell. He fell He's off a not cliff Jordan half, Montgomery. So yeah. yeah, I understand. Again, these yeah. guys have problems, but, like, you're gonna get, Ahmed Rosario just signed for a million and a half dollars. Now, Ahmed is not a great ball player, yeah. but a million and a half, you know, that's the move. That's a great move. And some of these guys don't even have qualifying offers attached to them. And teams are still going, eh, you know, I mean, that guy's like 5 million. I can't spend 5 million. You can't spend 5 million. It's a billion dollar industry. So, you know, I I, want to get off the soapbox here and talk more about the Mets. But the problem is, is that they have made it so punitive when you're talking about A hundred and ten percent tax. That is so punitive, even for a guy like Cohen. You don't think this is the guy who got back involved for a three hundred million dollar contract for Carlos Correa last season, last Mm -hmm. offseason? You don't think Steve Cohen is waking up every morning going, "I can sign Matt Chapman." could sign Cody Bellinger. I could sign Blake Snell. I could sign Jordan Montgomery. Not all of them, obviously, right. but saying like, I could sign one or two of them. Yeah, I could sign this guy to bolster. You don't think he's waking up with that mentality? Of course he is. The guy's the guy's a winner who's not afraid to spend money, but he's also looking at it going, yeah, I, maybe I would pay Blake Snell. You know, you, you made the offer. You, you mentioned the offer that other people are saying, maybe he would pay Blake Snell $40 million for one year but he certainly isn't going to pay him $80 million for one year. That's fucking insane. Now, 40 is also insane, but when you're spending Monopoly money like Cohen, I could see him maybe doing it, Yeah. But or, or paying him $30 million for one year and then trying to go get one of these other players too, both on one-year deals. But when you're talking about giving up draft picks, you're talking about losing six years of control for a guy who's in his mid-30s that you're going to have for one season at a high price tag, a price tag that's now doubled. You've made it so punitive that they don't even want to do it. When otherwise, you know Cohen would do it. You know the Yankees who have flirted with Blake Snell would go out and sign Blake Snell right now. You know that the Red Sox would spend more money. You think the Cubs would be nickel and diming Cody Bellinger if they didn't deal with all they loved him. They want him to come back. But they've made it impossible. It, there's, something's got to give with this. In the next CBA, whatever they need to do to fix this, whether it's just raising the 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 the, the threshold numbers, like the soft cap, if you will, I don't think it went up enough, Ibby, because too many teams are over that money.
1: I, I, I want to make sure you were done. Um, uh, but no, I just like it's, I'm with you a thousand percent on everything that you just said. And then just continuing the fact that when you're talking about the money aspect and, the ridiculous nature that people are bringing up, or how it was brought up by by uh, Manfred talking about, oh, I wish that we did have this this time frame when when free agents would sign, and it would be between this time and th-. it's like that's never gonna happen because you're going to literally like you're doing it now by basically freezing people out when it comes to paying them because you have them against spring training and the season starting, and you're trying to freeze them out basically. Say, look, we're only gonna offer you this or Basically, you're not playing. Same thing would happen in that case where, you know, maybe some of the big-name big, big name guys would, would get signed, but then you literally are crushing the smaller market player, if you will, the, the smaller player, and they're never going to get paid. So it's like that idea, like I, everyone loves the idea of having that, like, two-week period where there's just chaos, but it's never going to happen because the player's never going to want that. Um, but there was a couple of things I did want to bring up Real quick, uh, shout out to Joe DiMeo if he's still here. Uh, just bringing up how the luxury tax bill is just AAV structure doesn't matter other than deferred money backloading doesn't matter for tax purposes. Just cash payout. So that gives us a little bit more of an idea. So I said thank you to him for that for providing that info and to Carlos before bringing up. Um, it'd be so since uh, we're loaded, we should pay a premium for a middle rotation guy. Nah, that's a hard pass. Look, I've said from the jump that i like jordan montgomery but i don't think he was worth the money that was being asked i thought he would be a guy that would be somewhere in like the 75 million over four years type like that's the type of pitcher i have always thought he was i didn't think he was going to ask for double that because i don't think he's worth that so no if he's still asking for that money no i i'm not paying him that because he's not worth six or seven years based off the type of pitcher that he is um but I still think he's a good pitcher. I think he can help a team. I still don't think the Mets are going to do it. But I do think that he is a good pitcher. That's the main thing I wanted to get across across on that one.
0: Yeah, you know, it it, it makes – he of all the players, Jordan Montgomery that is, makes some sense. Again, I'm not saying the Mets should –
1: Stability, you don't have it beyond this year. Sorry to cut you off. You don't have yeah. anything beyond this year because everyone signs one-year deals. There's no stability within, and we're seeing it right now with Kodai Senga And you have an older Jose Quintana. There's no stability within the arms, and you're banking on the likes of Christian Scott and Dominic Hamill and, 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 and these guys to to show out and provide for the back end. And you're hoping you're still hoping that Tyler McGill hits. You want to see whatever happens with uh David Peterson, probably So, like who knows? But there's no stability. And that's why I think someone like him does make sense, but I'm not overpaying for him.
0: Yeah. That's and it. like, I'll bring up this comment from uh, Yamid about Chapman. And this is why Montgomery is different. Chapman has the qualifying offer. So it will cost the Mets two picks, 1 million in international money. Plus again, whatever they're paying him, they're paying 110% on in terms of the tax. That's why a player like Chapman or a player like Bellinger, or a player like Snell, they truly don't make sense for the Mets because of all those strikes against what signing him would be. When you look at Montgomery, the reason why I think he makes a bit more sense, Ibby, is twofold. One, traded midseason, so no qualifying offer, right? Traded from the Cardinals mm-hmm. to the Rangers midseason. Mm-hmm. So no qualifying offer. So no draft pick compensation and no um, international bonus pool money penalty. So that is a big uh, relief. It's a big boulder off your chest if you're the Mets. But the reason why, Ibi, I think he has not still been signed, Jordan Montgomery that is, is because he is probably asking for an astronomical amount of money. The contract, and it's all just rumors, but the contract that he is rumored to want, the one that you mentioned, the Carlos Rodon contract, that's probably what he's sincerely asking for. And Boris is not backing off of it because unlike all of those other top-shelf players that I mentioned, Snell, Bellinger, Chapman, they all have qualifying offers. So not only do they want top-tier money, not only are they trying to cash out on a big free agent deal – but they also have the draft pick and the money and all that stuff assigned to them because of the qualifying offer. So Montgomery makes a little bit more sense. I also think, and this is to kind of answer what Carlos said to you about Montgomery. I think Montgomery provides you with innings and assurance. And I think at his age, if you could get him on a four year deal, which then would make sense financially for the Mets to kind of invest in because, again, they're not losing draft picks. They're just paying a little bit more. You get them on that four-year $75 million deal. You get them on that five-year $100 million deal. Now you're looking at something structure-wise, payroll structure-wise that can make sense for the Mets, whereas none of these other players really fit that mold. They don't. They only make sense. Like, Snell to the Mets really only makes sense on, like, a two-year deal. But again, when you factor in the qualifying offer and the 110%, I hate to be a broken record, but when you start to factor in those other things, two-year deals don't make sense. Same thing with Chapman, same thing with Bellinger. I also wouldn't want to sign some of these guys to longer-term deals. I know I've been obsessed with the Bellinger thing. I understand that there is some merit there. I still stand by that. But realistically, you really don't want to give him more than a four-year deal anyway. And he's going to get more than that, I think, inevitably. But it's just – I'm just so frustrated with how the tax structure works. I just think it's BS. Keith says it. If there's going to be a luxury tax, there needs to be a basement tax with these teams that don't want to spend money. And the last thing I'll say on it has to do with that comment from Keith Ibby. And then after that, we can kind of settle down, head into the break, and, and talk yeah. more Mets-specific. But, you know, these teams get so much money. They're all getting, except the Padres, right? They all get their regional TV money. They all get a slice of the national TV money, which is an astronomical amount of money. And the lower market teams get their revenue sharing, windfall from the luxury tax. There is no reason why that money should not be invested in the team. When you look at the money that the Oakland A's get specifically, they spend about their regional TV deal worth of payroll every year, which means the luxury tax windfall and their national TV percentage of the money goes right into the owner's pocket. And I know this is old news for the Oakland A's, and I know that they're going to move and they're the biggest fucking shysters in the on the planet, but you can't ignore that. Where's the rest of that money going? And I know you can't have a basement. You can't have a salary floor without having a salary cap. And that's why it'll never happen. Blah, 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 blah. But there just has to be some rule where you have to take the money. If, even if it's just the competitive balance money. Even if it's just the money that you're getting for the other teams that are spending all the money. You should have to invest that money at the very least in payroll. Because it's ridiculous. You're talking about hundred over $100 million that this team is just putting in their pockets. And they're not the only ones. It's disgusting. Yes. Thank you. That's what I was saying. The yeah. Oakland A's made $70 million last year from their regional sports TV deal. Their regional sports TV deal. And their payroll was $70 million. So that is dollar for dollar. That means... So pathetic that every dollar, and I know a lot of people don't go to these games because they're not good, but that means it'd be every dollar spent on tickets. Every dollar spent on ballpark concessions. Every dollar spent on ballpark merch. And I'm just going to say ballpark merch, not merch that people buy that they get anyway, but just merch that is bought in the ballpark. So concessions, ticket sales, merch, all of that money, not going into the Oakland A's payroll. The windfall that they get from the luxury tax, None of that money going into their payroll. The money that they get from the national TV deal that every team gets a percentage of not going into their payroll. How can all of those things be simultaneously allowed for this league to take themselves seriously? That is a fucking joke. Absolute joke.
1: It's hard for me to follow it up because I echo every single thing that you said, because I'm, I'm tired of, the cheapness. I'm tired of the idea of a small market team because it doesn't exist. You're all billionaires. You all have money. And just seeing that written out, just is it is disgusting because it's like the the people, and again, this isn't an, an Oakland A's podcast, but like the people of Oakland, when those, when those teams were good, man, and, you, and like those places were red hot and they love their team, you strip that from them to put money into your own pocket. And then you don't provide for them over the last handful of years. You gave away talent like, it's disgusting. And then I know Carson's father, he said multiple times that he's an A's fan. And I feel bad for him that he has to deal with garbage like that. Um, maybe he's gotten used to it. Maybe he's still angry about it. But either way, it's trash. And it's it needs to be figured out. I don't know if it will. Maybe things will change when Manfred's gone. I doubt it because billionaires are still going to be billionaires and want to pocket every single dollar that they can. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah. I'm jumping into the comments here and just kind of put some of this to bed um, with regards to uh, the, the conversation that we're in on right now, right in this moment. But, you know, Carson saying John Fisher is a pig. Yeah. Uh, junior tough. Swingman saying nasty work, talking about, you know, what what Fisher is doing. Junior, out there.
1: you changed your avatar. I'm a little upset. I love the little Griffy you had.
0: <laughs> Armand saying <laughs> they even made money from revenue sharing. Yes. And Jeff Cohen saying and the A's owner is a billionaire as well. Yes, he is one of. Now he pales in comparison to the likes of, of Steve Cohen, but as a as a single owner, as a person who owns the team outright the way that Cohen does. Right. Um without, you know, significant other people paying into it. He's one of the single richest owners in the sport. Now I'm not saying that he has to go broke funding the A's, but it be this is just a little bit of information. It is almost impossible the way that the world or excuse me, it is almost impossible the way that this country works right now and has worked for the last two, three decades and how it's trending to work in the future, that a billionaire can go broke if they don't do anything nefarious. So it's almost impossible. So John Fisher doesn't, he can fund the A's just fine. He, he will not lose his money. Do you know what I mean? Like he is not going to lose his business holdings. He's not going to lose his property investments. He's not going to lose his house or his yacht. Like this is not me and you getting together and starting a small business restaurant in Manalipin where we can invest all of yeah. our savings into it and lose everything. That's right. not, this is not an upstart. The guy's a billionaire, a b-b-b-billionaire. Billionaires don't lose money. Like, not all of it. They don't lose their money. He would have to do something. He would have to do something fraudulent. He would have to commit a crime. He would have to, you know, do, like, apart from that, he's not losing all his money. Yeah. So this this thought process that he couldn't possibly fund the team and that these other owners couldn't possibly, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Anyway, let's leave that conversation there because we can do a whole show on that. We could. Jeff Cohen saying, don't forget to hit the thumbs up button. The break is coming. Thank you for that. Hit the thumbs up if you like what we're talking about. We will, I promise, get into more, get back into more specific. 55
1: people, real quick, 55 people in the live right now. 696 total.
0: Oh, it'd be freezing right at the most important part. 696 total subscribers, four away from 700 is what he was about to say. Uh, Keith Blacknick saying, I'll let everyone in on a secret. He said this before. Uh, Joe DeMayo is one of my favorite people. And you guys that don't follow him, you should. I echo everything there. Joe does phenomenal stuff in terms of covering the Mets, uh, specifically the Mets uh, minor league system is where he cut his teeth, his bread and butter. I don't think anybody does it better for my money. Then Joe DeMeo, you should. And then also like and subscribe to these boys uh till Mets do his part, which I appreciate. So we'll let Ibby try to sort out his um uh Internet issues that seem to crop up every couple weeks. Uh, it is gross, and I hate it, but it happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, we will head into the break now. There's 51 people watching live. If you're like, I don't want to sit through a break, don't worry. The break is super brief. It is just a 30-second ad spot that we need for the audio version of this show. So right now, it's John Saponero flying solo. Matt ibi Ibanez should be back here in a moment. You're watching live on YouTube. You're watching live on Twitter and X, and we will be right back in 30 seconds with more Tilt Met do us part. Yo, it's John with Till Mets Do Us Part, and 2024 is here and in full swing, and that means it's time for a New Year's resolution check-in with our friends at Manscaped. Newsflash, it is never too late for the man in your life to level up his grooming game. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether he's going for a trim or that clean-shaven look, this trimmer has him covered. Trusted by 10 million men worldwide, now's his time to get a grip on his grooming with our exclusive offer. Go ahead and head on over to manscaped.com. Use the code TMDUP. That's T-M-D-U-P for Till Mets Do Us Part for 20% off site-wide and free shipping. The ball is dropped. But don't let him drop the ball on his balls. Come on. What's going on, everybody? John Saponaro back here with more Till Mets Do Us Part. We're live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter like we are each and every single week. If has dropped out completely now, um, I know he's working on getting himself back here in the mix. Um, but for right now, it'll just be me flying solo until he does. But that means probably a little bit more interaction with all of you guys here in the comments. So please keep those comments coming in. Um, you know, it's 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 a an important part of the show, regardless of if I'm here by myself or if Ibby's here. But of course, do want to mention that uh, becoming a full fledged participant in the show is really the best thing. The speaking of those comments, so watching us live is the best way to make sure that that happens. Whether you're watching live on YouTube or Twitter or X, all the comments come in in real time. We can see them, we can react to them, we can talk about your questions, comments, concerns, and all that stuff. But we also understand that not everybody can watch all the things live all the time. or well, you can only cut in for a little bit here and there. Ibby is back. Don't worry, Ibby. You're just missing the pitch. Nothing important uh, of significance yet. Okay. But, um, so mm-hmm. – don't forget that you can watch whatever you missed on our YouTube channel. It lives forever. If you subscribe, you will never miss a chance to watch us, whether live or after the fact. Um, and as soon as we're done with the broadcast, it lives there forever, so it's easy to access. And you can also listen to this show wherever it is you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, all of those places, and more courtesy of Brella Sports Media. And that episode drops about an hour or so after we're done here. Again, the, the turnaround time has been tremendous. Um, shout out to Olivia, who works on all that stuff for us now and uh, she does a really great job of getting these episodes out almost immediately. So, you know, you don't even have to wait till tomorrow. You can just jump right in and uh, listen to us tonight, which is absolutely fantastic. Real quick, shout out our friends over at Manscaped. Uh, we're still working with them, Manscaped and uh, Tillmets do us part. You use the promo code TMDUP at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping site-wide. That includes what you see on the screen right now, which is the performance package 4.0. That is what I was gifted. That is what Ibby was gifted, courtesy of Manscaped. And, And it it works really great. That's all I'm going to say before we jump back into the Mets conversation. Also, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much. Um, Sorry for the technical difficulties. Like I was saying, hopefully, 47 of you that are still here, we can hit that sub button. If we hit 700, maybe my Wi-Fi will start working once we hit 700 subs so I don't get cut out like I normally do. But if there's one thing I will say, because I must get my reads in because I love doing them for Manscaped real quick. Great pitch by Java 4. But I must say, to, uh, 2024 is here in full swing and that means it's time for a new year's resolution to check in with our friends over at manscape make sure that you realize it's never too late to level up your grooming game if there's one thing i will say about this fantastic um photo that john did put up if you didn't know guys john actually um uh is you know the cut out there of those uh those manscape underwear that was. <laughs>
0: Um, That's right.
1: he was the stand-in for that one uh there it's never too late to level up the grooming game keep <laughs> your bush tamed uh the lawnmower 5.0 ultra is every man's cheat code to look good feel good and turn the page on confidence this year like john said and i will reiterate get 20 off in free sh- uh, free shipping when you use the promo code t-m-d-u-p at checkout tell them till med sent you thank you so much
0: yeah, no. Listen, uh, it, it's great. The, one, the one one. last thing I'm going to say about um, uh, about Manscaped in this in this uh, brief um, uh, interlude is uh, Keith Placknick saying, "Can Manscaped sponsor Ibby's Wi-Fi? Uh, where I fuck like- are you working on it? I'm honestly. trying,
1: man. <laughs> I'm trying." <laughs>
0: If we get a full-fledged sponsor deal, I'm gonna be I'm gonna push for it. I'm gonna push for <laughs> Manscape to sponsor just Ibby's Wi-Fi so that we know that the Wi-Fi uh, works. Because yeah, listen, you know, Chris Torres saying mow the lawn, but it, it really Good is. Up. Just in all seriousness, it's not just that. Like, the boxers that are featured here, they're great. They're great athletic boxers. They're lightweight. If you play sports, like me and me still do, um, Ibi also teaches teaches the youth, uh, you know, as a, as a phys ed teacher and more. Yeah. You know, you're moving around at work. If you mm-hmm. want to be more comfortable, like, that's the thing. A lot of people think Manscaped, and they think, trim your balls. And I know that's the marketing and it's great. And it works if that's what you want to do, but you also don't have to do that. You can also trim your beard hair. You could trim your chest. You could shave your back. You can just get comfortable clothes, comfortable, great fitting underwear. There are tons of applications. Just check out the website, manscaped.com. Use the code TMDUP. Anyway, um, the the other thing that I thought we were going to open this conversation with, and now it's almost an hour in, we haven't even gotten to it yet. We alluded to it, but that is Francisco Alvarez. Hector Gomez, who is just um, a fucking clown, to be quite honest with you. I don't understand how you can post something. My my issue with him posting about the Alvarez extension, Ibi, is how definitive he made it sound. He wasn't like, I'm hearing reports that this is in the works. Which then you can... You can backtrack off of, hey, you know what? I jumped the gun a little bit. Okay. No, it was like, what, what was the exact wording was something like the Mets and Francisco Alvarez are close to an extension. Yeah. like cl- Close to an extent. That shit better happen within the week. Yeah. And not only does it not happen, but it is almost immediately refuted by Martino, who I mean, that guy's another clown, but I think he's a little bit more connected, we could say, than Hector Gomez is at this point. And then Will and Salmon. Then, and then Will Salmon, who is, I, for my money, not just because he's been a guest on this show, but where I go as a fan, he is the best Mets beat reporter right now, Will Salmon. And he refutes it. And he's like, look, you know, this is why it makes sense. This is why it doesn't make sense. This is why maybe the Mets want to go one more year. He puts out an article, but he's like, I'm not hearing anything. So it be my biggest beef with Hector Gomez is the fact that there is no longer, I know we talked about the death of journalism a couple weeks ago, but there is also, there is no repercussions anymore for being wrong. He just came out flat and was wrong. He's like, the Mets are close. And then it was like, other people were like, no, they're not. They're not close, period. It's like, how does this, how do you still, I don't want him to get fired, but like, in a literal sense, how do you not, how do you still have a job? If you come out and say that, like, that's insane.
1: Again, we've talked about it. It's it's no longer being right. It's about trying to be first. And maybe something was said where it's like, oh, this could happen. It's like, oh, source, this this extension may happen right away. It's like, you're just trying to get, I just feel like everyone is just engagement farming on, on these apps because you can get paid, you know, by the amount of tr- traction that you get now and it puts money in your pocket and it's wrong and it ruins journalism and it ruins the idea of, again, what you said the number one rule of it is, and that is to be right, not to be first, but everyone is doing that. And it's not just him, it's others as well. And, you know, I, I've i said this in our chat and I'll echo it here. It's like, the, you know, the clown car's getting full. Like a lot of these guys are just straight up bozos when it comes to reporting and they're doing it because they want the attention. And then, you know, others pick up on it and it just becomes all of this lying and, building your brand and just doing it off of negativity, as opposed to actually doing a job properly. Hector Gomez hasn't been right once. I don't think he's been right once, maybe once. I don't think he's been right once though. Carlos Baerga has a better track record than him.
0: That's crazy you you say that. He was the person I was going to reference. Like Carlos Baerga has has a better hit rate than Hector Gomez. Now I understand Carlos Baerga is not a nobody. Carlos Baerga played in the league. Of course, Carlos Baerga knows people in the league So it's not a shock, but Hector Gomez's whole job has been doing this. Like Hector Gomez's entire life, his entire professional life, has been devoted to doing this. And that's what frustrates me. I mean, Chris Torres with a good one here. Hector Gomez works at my local bodega. He got bodega sources. (laughs) I don't even know what bodega sources is, but I love that. He's got, yo, I might, we might need to, we might need to use that, Chris. Like, honestly, bodega sources for when somebody does does some dipshit things. There you go. There's Ibby. I mean, it is It is full. Chris the saying, Ibi, your full. phone is going to full up with clown picks. It already is.
1: They're already there, man. They're already there. Already There's plenty is. more.
0: Uh, Keith Blacknick, some some breaking news uh, allegedly. Sources, Ibby is close to signing a new deal with a new Wi-Fi provider. I fucking hope so. Um. So, look, the Alvarez thing, Um, Ibby if you read will salmon's article um I, look I, we've already talked about this so i don't want to spend a ton of time yeah we'll just go back and forth really quickly if i were the mets i would certainly engage alvarez in an extension conversation um i know everybody hates the braves and rightfully so but the braves do that part right in regards to identifying young talent locking them up, whether they come up through their own system or whether they trade for them like Sean Murphy, like Matt Olson, they go, they get them and they just lock them up. Boom. They're like, we wanted you. We're confident in our scouting and evaluation process. We're going to get you and we're going to keep you. And you know, they do it with Matt Olson. They do it with um, Sean Murphy. Like I said, Mm -hmm. and like, Matt Olsen goes on to have the best year of his career, right? Like they're rewarding him for what they think he's going to do. And they're right. And once you start to get confident in your ability to identify talent, you shouldn't be scared to keep that talent. Now I know that can blow up in your face, Mm -hmm. but, and not everybody is Ronald Acuna Jr. And not everyone is Ozzy Albies. I understand that, but I think Francisco Alvarez might be, I think Francisco Alvarez is that good. If I were the Mets, I would entertain it. Will Salmon does make some points about how the Mets can go, you know, another year basically and still be able to do that. And so I don't think that this is like pound the table. Oh my God, the Mets need to do this now today, especially because I'm not making excuses for the Mets, but just this is true. You have to take the whole thing into consideration. David Stearns is still just here. Let's let David exactly. Stearns make his evaluation. Let's let him be here for a year. And, you know, if next November, next December, he's, you know, talking to Cohen and talking to Alvarez about a long-term extension, I think that timeline makes the most sense. Now again, I would still look to do it early, but it doesn't have it doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be this offseason. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: You look at, it and I just I'll just reiterate the point that I made last time we talked about this. And it's Stearns is here. You have to allow him to see things through. Wasn't here last year. Allow him to see what happens with Alvarez. Alvarez struggled a little bit in the second half, um, came on hot and then obviously cooled off. You want to be able to see what he can do over a full season. Uh, This is his first start to a season. Uh, You want to see what he's able to do. And again, there's no rush because you're not against the clock just yet. Uh, So it makes sense to allow the season to play out and, Is that does that mean it might cost you a couple of extra bucks? Maybe, but at the same time, you still get ahead and are able to lock him up for a a longer term deal and avoid those arbitration years, even if you wait this season. I think that's the plan, as well as thinking about the structure of that you know, that up and down game of the luxury tax and not wanting to be up against certain things. So, I think that's why they're holding off on potential extension talks, whether it was with Pete, whether it's with Francisco Alvarez, whatever it may be. Uh, I just think it's going to, I think it's going to play out. And I know Mets fans want something. They want something that they view as bigger and of positive note. And they haven't gotten it this off season because it's been more of a low key off season. And that's why they want something so badly, but I, I I don't think you're going to get it. I think it's meant to be a low key off season for a reason. And, um, as much as it makes sense, I think you've got a better shot of seeing it next offseason.
0: I agree, especially because this offseason is basically over. Now, it's not to say extensions like this can happen they in could. spring training. Extensions like this can happen even during the regular season. And I think be, if you put a gun to my head, please don't, but if you put a gun to my <laughs> head, I think you're more than like, I think you would. there's a better chance of you seeing a Francisco Alvarez extension at like, the all-star break than there is you seeing it before the season starts. Does that make sense? Like I, I
1: would agree with that. I he agree gets that.
0: off to a really hot start. He shows that, you know, the power and the 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 defensive prowess, even that we all were kind of undersold on a bit. Handles are, the are, staff, yeah. Yeah, it's all yeah. legit, especially dealing with the staff now. Yeah, some veteran guys, but he's not catching Justin Verlander. Right, not he's Hall Famous. right. He's not catching Max Scherzer. Now, I know those guys were diminished and all that, whatever.
1: Don't matter,
0: but he's not catching those guys. Yeah. So I think you're more than likely seeing that, or you're more likely to see that extension happen at the middle part of the season than you are before opening day. I still think it happens next off season, but Mm -hmm. I just think you have to let David Stearns watch with his own eyes from the building, see the guy. I think we all know what he is capable of, even David Stearns, but let you got to let the process play out and again the mets are not on a the the mets are not on a a time crunch here um with with Francisco Alvarez, not yet. It's just it's I also think also a lot of things are in flux. The situation too.
1: Yeah, of course. And and I think a lot of things are just in flux. This offseason is a little bit in flux because you're trying to get things proper and coming back down from being so high and spending and failing. And then you have a lot in terms of what next offseason is going to be. I know someone mentioned in the comments talking about the Pete, the Pete situation. You got to figure that out. You know, how you're going to attack and spend next offseason. And the fact that there's a lot of one-year deals, which means you're going to be doing a lot of spending next offseason as well and filling things out hopefully some of your prospects can fill some of those voids so you're not spending as much or trying to attack as many things but regardless a lot of things are in flux so you have to be able to allow some things to play out and then see how you're going to attack i think that that just fall, this falls into that area and like i said it doesn't have to happen now because you're not up against the clock with anything you want him to be here long term well, guys, he's still going to be here for a while. You, you still have an opportunity to lock him up. It might just happen next offseason. And I think that the biggest thing that I'm going to push this year, and I'm going to continue to push it, and we always talk about patience, it's patience over panic. That's it. Just be a little bit patient.
0: That's it. Uh, Carson, with a good point, kind of echoing what you said, just in a different way. Everything is wait and see for this team right now. It's the easiest way to describe it. Uh, I agree. Um yeah. Rosie saying wouldn't hurt for the Mets to make one more year to extend Alvarez. No, uh, yeah. Chris Torres saying I agree with John on that same sentiment. Um, yeah. you know, I, I, I th- this one is interesting from Keith saying, "What point of the season does Alonzo get traded?" Um, I know he's I know he's joking. I know he's throwing well, not joking, he's but st- i know he's joking.
1: stirring the pot. We know I, he's I, I know what you're pot. doing, Keith. I know what you're
0: doing. He's stirring the pot, but I did want to talk about Alonzo. Yes. I do want to talk about Alonzo's future. Now I've made it very clear that i think Alonso should be a met for life i've already said the kind of contract that i would give him i've already said so many things as have you we both have. um i just want to address this comment in particular and i don't know if this is going to be an unpopular opinion you might even disagree with me okay i don't care if the mets get to the week of the deadline and have 10 wins And the Mets are 100 games out of first place. I am not, under any circumstances, trading Pete Alonso, period. I am not trading him at the deadline. I am not trading him and trying to re-sign him. I do not think that you are going to get anything of significant value for two and a half months of Pete Alonso. Because the track record dictates that you likely will not. Now, if you're telling me, if you're telling me that you can get a Pete Crow Armstrong type of player prospect and that gets you going, fine. But I don't care. I I don't think any of these players, any of these prospects that you are going to get will ever be Pete Alonzo. I know Pete Alonzo is not the perfect player. I acknowledge where Pete's faults are. I acknowledge that there is some... There have been whispers legitimately. I think the the two idiots on the midday on the radio kind of ran with some stuff and overblown some stuff, but... I have heard some things that Pete is maybe not the affable guy that everybody loves the way that we as fans love him. I have heard that from some places, but in my opinion, whatever you get back for a trade for Pete Alonzo, Ibby, I can guarantee you they will not in their first five years in the big leagues hit more home runs than anybody in baseball. They will not win. I know this doesn't matter in terms of the Mets' success, but they will not win two home run derbies. They will not be the most prolific power hitter and one of the best RBI producers in the sport the moment that they get in the league over their first five and six years. They will not. Do you know why? Because most players are not that. Correct. So I would not... Under any circumstances, the Mets could have zero wins the day before the trade deadline. They could be 100 games out of first place and 170 out of the wild card. And I would not trade Pete Alonzo because the Mets need to keep Pete Alonzo, period. And I think trading him, while not impossible to bring him back, makes it harder to bring him back. And I do not want to do anything that jeopardizes him signing with the Mets long-term. That is my opinion. Not saying that that's what they will do. I'm saying that that's what I would do if I was in charge.
1: I agree with you 100%. I am not trading him no matter what. And I don't think he's going anywhere because I still think, again, things can happen. Things can bottom out injuries as we're seeing now could happen. And this team could be completely out of it come the deadline. I still don't think that they are trading Pete Alonso. I, I've been saying, and I'm going to stay steadfast, he's not going anywhere. Um, they're not going to deal him. Your diminished returns, though you would still get a return, they're not going to be as what people think they're going to be. Stop overrating. Um, you know, the fact that certain players get certain things with less time, but if you were going to deal him and you were hoping to get a semblance of a decent package not even a great package a decent package he would have been traded this offseason um mm-hmm. before the season even started uh they're not trading in the middle of the year i don't see it happening um because i don't think anyone's really going to blow them away in terms of um prospects and a return i don't like putting him in another building especially now when things could be potentially in flux now i don't think that there is bad blood i think it's just a business and i thought that uh, Will Salmon and Tim Burton have, been, have done a fantastic job on the athletic, and they just did a breakdown of Brandon Nimmo and talking to him about Pete Alonzo and Scott Boris and free agency and things like that, and how it mirrors each other and how he went about it. It's a great article if anyone wants to read it. But the main point being that you have to trust the process and allow these teams you know, to do their due diligence and to do their work. And the teams that know you, Essentially, come back and they will give you what they think that you are worth. And if that matches what works for you, then you're going to come back. That's what happened for Brandon Nimmo, and I think the same thing is going to happen for Pete. I don't think that I'm with you. It's like you can trade someone and then maybe you can get them back because oh, we we ended up getting a decent pitcher and then he comes a free agent, and then we blow him away with money and we get him back too. So it's like uh, you know a, a sweetheart deal, almost like uh, what happened with. Uh, Geraldus
0: Chapman, Aroldis
1: Chapman with Chapman. So it's like, I I don't want to run that risk. I don't want to put him in Chicago. I don't want to put him anywhere. And by, by the way, people talking about Chicago as this end all be all—they're the and same it, people I, that complain about to, money.
0: I swear to God, I'm sorry. Yeah, because I, I mentioned a prospect like the I've heard it from a few people, the people who say don't trade well. Pete Alonso to the Cubs for Pete Crow Armstrong back and then re-sign Alonzo. If the Mets trade Pete Alonzo for Pete Crow Armstrong, I will fucking snap my (laughs) desk in half. I understand that Pete Crow Armstrong came on. I understand that he's got some tools. That would be the worst fucking idea in the history of ideas. Just because you're mad that you traded him to get Javier Baez, who, by the way, was Cespedes-like when we got him, that's the best, or you could argue that's the best, aside from the year he almost won the MVP. That might be the best, and, and if you look at, like, his, his um, uh, this is Baez, you look at Baez's uh, ability to lay off the pitch outside and not whiff and take walks, if you look at that coupled with the way he hit you could argue that that is the two the best two and a half months of Javier Baez's career and you gave up a, a player who was just drafted who had massive knee surgery who you were never sure was gonna really realistic like play again kind of surgery. like you're like, I hope this guy is still a prospect when this is over. And people are so fucking obsessed with getting him back. It's insane. I mean, Mets saying, or Mets fan saying, Pete Crow Armstrong sucks. Dude is a speedy out fourth outfielder. Um, Carson, Pete Crow Armstrong isn't good. Zach's got cooked. My favorite drunk in baseball. <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't understand where this love affair with these guys come in, like doubling down on something like doesn't make it better. Oh, let's go get him back. Why? Who gives a fuck? Don't the Mets? Don't. I thought everybody outside of Carson, and I'm not trying to compare these prospects. I don't know enough. I'm not Joe DiMeo. Right. But Ibi, I thought everybody loved Drew Gilbert. Right. I think Drew Gilbert, by the way, is legitimately a better prospect than Pete Crow Armstrong. Okay. So the Mets have Brandon Nimmo signed for the next seven years or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves Drew Gilbert. But where does Pete Crow Armstrong play then? They got two guys already because I also, the Mets, everybody in the Mets system and everybody in the, all the Mets fans love Luis Angel Acuna. Well, he might be a second baseman, but he also might be an outfielder. Jet and Williams. if he plays second base, then where does Jet Williams play? Does he play the outfield? Then where does Pete Crow Armstrong play? Now, I understand you can never have too many good players, but right. what, what what's the logic in going out and getting a guy who is a major league-ready, speedy outfielder who had massive knee surgery to replace – Three of your top fucking prospects who might be speedy outfielders. Because none of them, Drew Gilbert, Acuna, Williams, Pete Crow Armstrong, you know who none of them profile to be? Pete Alonzo. None of them are going to hit 40 home runs. None of them are going to knock in 115 RBI just waking up out of bed. Like, that's insane to me that people would even have that as a concept.
1: Right. And um, no, just to finish the point I was making before, it's it's this idea with the Cubs that they're so willing to do all this stuff. Meanwhile, they're nickel and diming. They don't want to bring back Cody Bellinger, and you know, Ricketts coming out making comments like, "Oh." You want us to go beyond our payroll? Well, we need to have, you know, a, a better source of revenue. And then someone brought up the revenue for the Cubs. It was like well over $400 million, And they were asking if their if their payroll would go past two. And he was like, we need more revenue. And he's like, well, according to this, you have plenty of revenue. Go and get a player. Which is why I don't think that, you know, the Cubs are going to be so willing to throw what people think is a lot more money than what the Mets would towards Pete Alonzo in free agency. But in short, Pete's not going anywhere. I'm still very confident he's going to be here long-term. And no, he is not going to be dealt at the deadline, even if they are 100 games out. Not happening.
0: Jump into the comments. Here's a lot of good ones flying in. Um, Some of these from different times when I was going through my first rant, some of them in the second rant. Um, Rosie saying, I agree with John, the Mets should not trade Alonzo. Patty, say that hundred raise hands. Um, Mets vent agree because not like Alonzo gets you much. It's just players what don't a- get you a ton at the deadline. Like not a ha- you, no. can get, you can get one good prospect, but you're not getting an elite play. Like you're just not, it's not happening. Pete Alonzo for as good as I just said that he is and all this stuff and how important he is to the Mets. Ibby you know what he's like right now, Pete Alonzo is a better player than Max Scherzer. Correct. Today, like I know they play different positions and everything right now, today, he's a better player. You know what he doesn't do? Start playoff games as a guy who won a world series and pitched to multiple Cy Youngs. It's different. That's why the Mets took advantage of trading off Verlander. The Mets didn't really, not that they didn't want to trade Verlander. The Mets would have been perfectly content keeping Verlander. hundred percent believe that. They would have just paid him. They would have had him be the anchor of their rotation this year, Hope that he was healthier, hoped that he was more like the Verlander of old. But it was a seller's market, so they paid him a bunch of money to go pitch somewhere else. Pete Alonso's not that because he's not a starting pitcher, guys. He's not one of the greatest starting pitchers to ever live. That's where Justin Verlander is. Love him, hate him, fall off, don't like his attitude. That's what Max Scherzer is. It's different. Charlie saying, agreed, Pete should be a Met for life. Rosie saying... Alonzo is the best power hitter the Mets had. They should be adding, not subscri- subtracting power. I'm begging the Mets not to trade him. I've been banging that drum. You've been banging that drum forever. Um, this is a good point from Stevie Max. Stevie Max has been in the comments, um, haven't had the chance to pull up a bunch, Ibby, but the only way it's worth trading Pete is flat out if he tells Cohen he's not coming back to the Mets. If he does the Mets that kind of a favor, in other words, which is not absurd, right? If he's If he basically is like, look,
1: I I know how
0: I'm appreciated here. I know what you guys think of me. I know what the the fan base thinks of me. So I'm going to do you this kindness. I'm not coming back. I don't love it here. I've always wanted to play in Chicago. I want to go back. Now, you you can't make the argument that he wants to go home because he's from Florida, and the two teams there spend fucking 25 (laughs) cents a season. So (laughs) he ain't going home. Right? This is not going to be some fucking Carmelo Anthony moment where we play no. the worst fucking hip-hop song in the history of hip-hop to usher him back. Okay, He's not going home because the Marlins have not signed a major league free agent contract this offseason. So they're not spending $220 million on Pete Alonso. So if he does them that kindness, Ibby, I could see then them trading him. Or or whatever, letting him trading him, letting him walk, whatever. But it's not gonna happen. Um. Hey, coming home is a fire song, (laughs) John. I love you. It's it's not. It's not. You know what it is? It's a it's a fire twenty five second intro to that song. The part that they play that I'm coming home, like that shit. That shit slaps. Yeah. As soon as that beat drops and Diddy comes in, the worst rapper who has ever had mainstream success. That song falls off a cliff fucking hard. Um, Keith saying, I have a feeling if he doesn't sign during the off season during the season, he walks in the offseason. And Minconey's saying if they trade Pete, I can't see him coming back. Um, I agree with Minkoni. I disagree with Keith.
1: The problem The problem I have is even with the idea, look, I agree with what Stevie Max said. The idea that He says, I don't want to be here. But then it's just like, well, if you don't want to be here, you're saying you're willing to go anywhere else? Because there's not a given, especially when it comes to the position that he plays and the way he's viewed in terms of his defense, how much he's going to make on the open market, and who's going to pay that price. Now, if he's simply saying, I'm going to whoever gives me the most money, which oftentimes is what happens when you pick Scott Boris as your agent, you're just saying, get me the most money. I'm going to go wherever. Now, could that be back with the Mets? But if he says, I don't want to be here, if that was the case, I just have a hard time him just going out there blindly and saying, I'm going to go wherever. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time. I, and I understand things go on behind the scenes. And some, the way someone puts themselves out and, you know, to, to, to the public is different than what happens behind said scenes. So look, does he have issues with people? Maybe he does. I'm not, I'm not there. I don't have sources. I don't have people in the know. But I I just have a hard time with that one because I I think that he's going to give a fair shot. And I think the Mets are playing it the the same way with Nimmo. You're probably going to give an extra year. You're probably going to toss in an extra $26 million and the deal is going to get closed at eight years at $225 million. He's a Met for life. He gets 500 home runs and you move on. Like that's what I think is the move. And I still believe that. For some reason no one wants to think that. And I and I don't get it because it's the same exact thing we just watched with Nimmo. And why we can't comprehend this, I don't know.
0: Look, when you look at Pete and the fact that he's a first baseman, the amount of money he's gonna command. We just spent a bulk (laughs) of the second, a bulk of the first half of the show, it'd be talking about how um the the system is broken. Teams don't spend money. Okay. Yes. Um there are a few teams that do spend money and have been spending money. Um, the Los Angeles Dodgers have a guy called Freddie Freeman. So they're not going to be involved in Pete Alonso. They also have a DH named Shohei Otani. So they're definitely not going to be involved in Pete Alonso. Nope. Um, Atlanta has nope. Matt Olson. They are not going to be involved in Pete Alonso because they have a first baseman and they are not going to spend $200 million on a DH because that is not their model. Philadelphia has a bunch of big pro, uh, uh, contracts out and Bryce Harper at first base. They also, they might be the team in baseball with, you can mix the Braves in here. You can mix the Dodgers in here. Philadelphia might be the team with the most pure power in the sport. They yes. have Bryce Harper, JT rail Muto, Nick Castellanos and uh, Kyle Schwartz. They don't fucking need Pete Alonzo. Uh team like St. Louis. They don't always spend a lot of money, but sometimes they spend a lot of money. They have Goldschmidt. I know Goldschmidt is older. They're not getting out of that contract. They're not getting out of the contract with Nolan Arenado. They're pretty much spent. People keep talking about the the Cubs. The Cubs, the Cubs, the Cubs, the Cubs, the Cubs. I'm watching, in real time, the Cubs nickel and dime Cody Bellinger. We all are. You're telling me that they're nickel and diming Cody Bellinger so that they can go get Pete Alonso who's never played a moment for them? Maybe. I'll believe it when I see it. The San Francisco Giants maybe? Struck
1: out on so many players, everyone thinks that they are the one to worry about because they have money and they've been waiting and they've been shut down a lot. I still don't buy it.
0: I don't think Pete's going to California.
1: I don't think I don't buy it.
0: San Francisco is a beautiful ballpark. Um, San Francisco, this is not me saying this. This is people around the league speculating. Uh, The likes of Ken Rosenthal have said it. They said that the Bay Area is having issues signing players right now.
1: And when they say the Bay
0: Area, they mean the Giants, not the A's, because the A's have different issues. Yes. But there is a perception about what San Francisco is and has become. Now, I don't subscribe to that because um, I've been to San Francisco. It's not for everybody the same way that L.A. isn't for everybody the same way that New York isn't for everybody. Um, but I just don't see him going out to the Bay, paying California state taxes, playing right. in that ballpark. I just don't see it. I see them trying, but I don't see them... I don't see him signing there. Uh, Manconi brings up a point. Toronto has some money after missing out on Shohei. I just, I don't know. You, you I'm, getting rid of Vlad? Vlad Guerrero Jr.
1: He's up in two years, I think. Beau Bichette. Jr. Guys got to worry about signing. There's a lot of money there. Now, granted, Vlad's numbers haven't been what people thought they would be. He struggled a lot against the fastball last year, which is the pitch that you have to know how to hit. His numbers have dipped over the last four years. Are they, are they going to say, thanks, Vlad, no thanks, let him go, um, or try to deal him? I Look, you can't put anything past anybody, but I I really think, and I've said this, and I'll keep echoing it, I think the sport doesn't want to pay first baseman. I think the sport looks at it as a position that's very uh, replaceable. Um, again, it's not the same level, but when I see someone like Kyle Manzardo who was one of the top first-base prospects in the game, just get dealt away by a team that's smart when it comes to assets that they have, like the like, like the Tampa Bay Rays, and just deal him for a middle-of-the-rotation type of starter and Aaron Savale, and just give away the top first-baseman prospect, which is argued by many, depending on what circles you, you run in, in terms of your uh, information. But that's a smart team. And we just saw Zach Scott put something out on Twitter, talking about how a lot of teams try to emulate whether – they should or shouldn't, but try to emulate the Rays. So I think a lot of teams don't want to put that much money into the first base position. I think he's going to get the most money from the Mets because he knows and the Mets know what he means to this team. And sometimes that goes beyond the smart move. Now, the question is, is Stern's going to be the one that says we're not going to do that because it's not the smart move? That's we'll find out. I still think he's going to be here because I think Stearns knows what he means and what the power that he provides is you know, a step above, if you will, in terms of what you get from others within the game. So that's where I am on the entire thing. I still think that they have the upper hand. I've always thought they did because they have the owner with the deepest pockets. Why people want to get nervous now, I don't know. I guess because free agency could be can, can be wild, and you're always worried about the person that says, Fuck it. Here's all the money in the world. I would get that more if it was a different position. I really would, but not first yeah. base.
0: I I agree with you, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm not gonna list every team in the sport, okay? Um, but I do want to just clarify and put a wrap on what I was saying. And some of the comments here coming in are, are good. Like you know, Keith saying three places I could see Alonzo ending up: Queens, or Flushing, Cubs, Astros. Um,
1: Stroh's got to worry about extending Kyle Tucker. And Correct. they're going to let Bregman walk. I think they're going to let Bregman walk next year. They just gave out 125. I think their mm. focus is Kyle Tucker.
0: I agree with that. Some uh, Mets vent actually saying that in response to Keith Astros have Bregman and Tucker to yeah. worry about. I agree with you. I think it's Tucker. They're worried about. I think it's Bregman. They let walk. I think he's going to be a 32 year old third baseman at that point. 30, 31. Um, yeah. 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 So I think 30, uh, maybe 31. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I think he'll, he'll move. Uh, I think Bregman's going to be on another team. My realistic but not worrying about teams, Ibby, are the ones I mentioned. San Francisco, Toronto, Chicago Cubs. I don't see him going to any of those three places. Call it gut, call it vibes, call it whatever you want. I think those three teams might make a play. I just don't see it happening. The one team that a few people mention is the Yankees. I just don't... Okay, two things. One, I think the Yankees are going to try to keep Juan Soto. I know they've been coy about it. I know that there is potential. I, he he's going to go. He's going to go to free agency. Obviously, he turned down four hundred million dollars, four hundred twenty-five million dollars from the Washington Nationals, whatever it was. Um, Soto's going to free agency, so they've been pretty coy about. Hey, you know, we're, this is a one-year deal. It is a one-year deal for the Yankees, but you don't think they're going to try to re-sign? Juan Soto, I think they're going to make that their massive priority. Now does it happen? I don't know. Uh Mets Vent also bringing this up. Glaber Torres also a free agent. I could see Glaber winding up on a different team, the way I could see Bregman winding up on a different team. But those yeah. are two big free agents that they have. So, I also just don't know and I could be misplacing loyalties here. I think the Yankees are more prone or more able, or more poised to make a big play for Pete Alonso than any of the other teams I mentioned. But I also think that Pete is not going to go to the Bronx. I think there is a there is more of a, I, I'm not going to do this to Pete, than there is, it's, it's it's similar to, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um the way that Judge was basically like, I'm not going to the Mets. Like, I might go somewhere else, but I'm not going to go to the Mets. I'm not going to do that to Yankee fans. I just don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think he's going. And I don't think the Yankees, I don't think the Yankees are going to pay Pete market value because sometimes, sometimes players, Ibby, mean more to the team that they're on than they do to other teams. You have to still pay top dollar to keep them. But Pete has potential to be the first Met ever to hit 500 home runs as a Met. I know that. Gary Sheffield hit his 500th as a Met, but he is the first, he has potential to be the greatest power hitter in the history of the franchise. If he goes to the Yankees, is Pete Alonzo the greatest power hitter in the history of that franchise? Not even close. If he goes to the San Francisco Giants, is Pete Alonzo the greatest power hitter in the history of that franchise? Not even close. If Pete goes to the Cubs, is he the greatest power hitter in the history of that franchise? Now, you could say maybe with the taint on Sammy Sosa right. and stuff, da, 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 right. maybe. But right now, no. No. If he goes to Toronto, is he the greatest power hitter in the history of that franchise? Potentially.
1: Potentially.
0: Potentially. So, I, and again, I don't know if that matters to Pete, but I think it might. And I just think that there's a situation where you have to be willing to keep a guy, reward a guy, keep a guy in your uniform that has the potential to do something like that. Like, yeah, (laughs) Carson's saying he's already the best power hitter in the history of the franchise and has been since he hit number 53. It's true. It's true. So
1: It's true. I don't know. And again, it's hard to just equate things to what's happening now for the team. But again, this team has had a hard time over the last decade, even longer developing players. And you can see that from their first round picks and the players that have come up and have made uh, a difference really overall. Pete Alonzo is, is a unicorn in that sense and based off of the Mets system, but also based off what he's done uh, in the game of baseball. And I don't, I don't – I just think that people – I think people need to, again, relax. Understand that this team knows what he is more so than we do. Know the things that Keith has alluded to and others who might have more of a no behind the scenes. I still think, and I will continue to be this person, he's here for the season. I think he's here long term. I think it makes sense in terms of this team and what they can do moving forward. I think he makes sense for this rebirth or trying to move forward, if you will, with this franchise and finding said stability. Having a 40-plus homer bat in the middle, and then you surround it with other pieces that just allow him to be that so you don't harp on the fact that he's batting 220 and thinking it's a big deal. Building the team is what matters. Having him in the middle makes sense you can build pieces around him to make this team better overall i think he will be here unfortunately we have to watch this whole entire thing play out which is why i said at the beginning of the show that 20 uh 2024 is probably going to be a very annoying year for me because Mm -hmm. these talking points are not going to go anywhere and it's going to be a cloud that drags for the season unfortunately i'm going to do my best to try and enjoy the season uh, to the best of my abilities, but I know that this is going to continue to be harped on until he signs that dotted line.
0: Yes. And Carson saying this, well, if you're looking for sustained success, you can't do that without Pete Alonzo in the lineup. Why? Because there is no one coming to replace that period. That's why now it's not like, I, I said everything I said, waxing poetic about Alonzo Ibi, but it's not like Alonzo is the best base. He's not the best player in the sport. The Mets just don't have anybody to replace him. Right? They're not going to be able to get somebody to replace him. Sure. You want to try to go outbid the Yankees for Juan Soto? Try. Fine. Go ahead. It's going to cost you $500 million. I'll tell you this. I'm not sure. And I love Juan Soto. I think Juan Soto is a great player. I think he's a better all-around hitter than Pete Alonzo. Obviously, I don't know Ibby. somebody said this to me on Twitter. They said definitively, but I'll ask it as a question. Is Juan Soto twice the hitter that Pete Alonso is? Because financially, that's the commitment. Pete's a 200-ish, 200-plus million-dollar player. Juan Soto's going to be close to a $500 million player. He is better. He's a better hitter. But is he double the hitter that Alonzo is? To make double the financial commitment. Double.
1: I it's an thought, interesting
0: question, right?
1: I, I it is. And I thought for the longest time until Shohei Otani threw a giant wrench this entire thing. Um, I thought that the money that was made by Otani was going to be the the apex, like the top. And I thought that that number was going to be somewhere in the fives. Mm -hmm. People thought I was crazy when I said that, but I thought it was going to be somewhere in the fives because the highest player to that point was Mike Trout, and he didn't even break five. So I thought five was the next progression, which for the longest time people thought was going to be Soto. The fact that Otani got seven, now language, what have you, real value, what have you, he gets seven. Now that tells me that Soto is definitely going to get somewhere in the fives before that i thought he was going to be somewhere in the fours now he's getting somewhere in the fives for sure and also he's playing in a band box this year if he juices up those numbers has another fantastic year hits 40 50 home runs bats 300 he's going to cash in you're asking me this question and maybe some know this maybe some don't but i think i think the world of juan soto i think he's incredible as a hitter i think he's fantastic to watch fascinating to me Defense, questionable. Is he twice the hitter? I guess it depends on what you're looking at um, in terms of, you know, how he betters than Pete in average. I know no one cares about average anymore. Um, On-base percentage, OPS, you know, the fact that he can be a guy that can bat high, have a very high OBP, get on base, and still hit 40 home runs, a little bit different than Pete. Power nonetheless, but a little bit different. Um, Is it worth double? Again, it comes to that whole conversation of position. You know, it's it, it's a tough one to answer, but you know, I I you know, yes, I think I think Juan Soto is better. I can answer it that way. I think Juan Soto is better than Pete Alonso. I can say that.
0: Pose it to the chat really quick, and we're gonna get out of here soon. But um, do you think that Juan Soto is twice the hitter that Pete Alonso is? Double the hitter. And the reason why I'm asking it for anybody who just came into the conversation, like Carlos Ortiz, the reason why I'm asking it is because Soto will command roughly double the money that Pete will command. I'm conceding one. If you listen to the show, you watch the show, you know, me and AB both love Juan Soto. I would Mm -hmm. love for the Mets to sign Pete and Juan Soto. Please. I'm not, I'm (laughs) not putting down, I'm not putting down Pete. I'm not putting down Juan Soto as a player at all. I think he is terrific. I am also not factoring in what Joe Kay says, which is Soto is definitely not better at defense. One, they play different positions, at least as of right now. Soto is trending in the wrong direction. Soto is trending in the wrong direction where Pete, to his credit, has made himself a better first baseman than I think anybody would have thought. But I don't know how good of a first baseman Juan Soto would be if he moved there, right? Like, it's just different positions. It matters differently. But to CP's point, have to take into consideration the age. You do have to take into consideration the age. Soto is younger than Pete, but that's why his contract would be longer, therefore more expensive. Therefore, do you? The are you sure, Ibby? Are you totally sure? And I'm not trying to put Soto down here, but are you sure everybody's so concerned about the way Pete Alonzo is going to age as a hitter are you so sure that Juan Soto's not going to age poorly as a hitter based on his body type? So I know you're considering the age, but then you're making the contract longer. That's that's why I'm asking this question. I know it's a weird one, but that's yeah. why I'm asking it.
1: It's it's a hard one to answer um for the longest time. And again, it's hard for me because for the longest time anyone that knows me I've been saying, especially once Cohen came into the picture, I've I've had you know, 2025 circled saying that, you know, I thought Juan Soto was going to be a Met. I, I really, and I look, it's still possible. Um, so I, I have a very high affinity for the guy and I would love to see him put on that Jersey. We'll see what happens. If it's possible, we'll find out. Maybe he loves the Yanks and the Yanks keep him. No one knows. Um, but it's, it's a hard one because I love Pete too. Again, I want both. That's the easy way to go. Um, but you know it's it, it is an interesting question but in terms of me putting an answer to it is he double the player
0: double the hitter double the hitter not double the player
1: double the hitter i because i look at other things as well and look i know again average no one cares about i look at obp ops all this other stuff like it's close but i I think if you told me I had to pick one, I, I still th- I still think Soto's better. I do. It's hard. I know it's, it's a cement show. I know it's I know people might not like me for saying that, but I I think Juan Soto is that special as a hitter. That's not me putting I, Pete down. I, I, think, I love Pete. Listen,
0: I'm conceding he's better. I just don't know if he's twice as good. Yeah. I don't know if he's twice the hitter. I I don't know and what, that
1: and what, and what and really what the, the conversation we're having here guys is, is more so really money allocation. It's because we're Correct. we're playing we're playing this game. It's well, more Keith, so money allocation. Yeah.
0: Keith even saying it, he says, if you could sign them both, I'm for it, but I'd take Alonzo. And this is Keith and, saying, Keith Keith has been one of those people not just today who said he would trade alonzo he's not 100% on, on alonzo wanting to be here like he's been very vocal but is saying if you could only have one and he would big, take alonzo
1: and the big part here is when we, and we also have to see what happens this year for soto because it's going to prove a lot into this thought process as well and that is what davis Stern to say you want guys that know how to play in new york are accepting of playing in new york Pete Alonso has shown that he can play in New York. Now, if Juan Soto comes in here and struggles, it's going to be tough for him in comparison to Lindor. He's not going to
0: struggle in that fucking I know. Box.
1: I know, but the point being, if he does, he's not going to have the the cushion that Lindor gets because he signed a long-term deal already. You're basically mm-hmm. coming here for one year. You, you have to show out because if you don't, people are then going to question you. Big time. And that's where it comes into the math saying, can this guy handle 12 plus years of this media for the contract he's going to get, burying him every single day, wanting him to fail? That is going to become a part of it. So it's hard to answer this question now because him playing in this city is what's going to be a big part of this entire equation.
0: Hmm. I agree with that. I, I I do agree with that. Um Carson with a good comment here. Soto loves to kill ants and everyone ignores it like it's not a problem. He's incredible, but has his flaws. Not to mention he's a 75 home run bat if he actually pulled fly balls. Which I, I don't think he's gonna, he will this year. I don't think I he's gonna hit 75, four. but I could see him hitting over 60.
1: I won't be shocked if he hits fifty homers this year. I would not. Yeah. I would not be shocked if it's fifty he, homers.
0: I think I, I think he can hit fifty to sixty. Sincerely, I think that's I think that's how talented he is, and I think that that's what he's I, I think that's what he's capable of doing in that small ballpark. Also, I think that's why the Mets I think the Mets and some other teams are going to try to sign Soto, but I think it's going to be hard if he has a monster year in Yankee Stadium. It's not the fucking pride of the pinstripes. It's not the fucking it's the ghost. Money. It's not it's- the ghost of Yogi Berra. <laughs> it's not fucking Babe Ruth's hat. It's none of that shit. All right, it's the fucking it's the fact that he's gonna be ripping fucking home runs, getting paid five hundred million dollars.
1: I'm, I'm still laughing when you I forgot what the what the topic even it was, but when it you it was said, Yamamoto. I said you, Yamamoto, could dig up,
0: doing... you could dig <laughs> up Yogi Berra and holes. put him on his put him on his front porch and he wouldn't he would be like, Who's this fucking guy? Get this dead body off my porch. Oh, the fucking pinstripes, uh, no. though. Let bribe. me tell you about the pinstripes. You guys ever <laughs> seen the pinstripes? You know what the pinstripes mean? Nothing. You know what the pinch drives mean to uh, most baseball players? They money. mean green
1: yeah. money, and that's We're why they get go paid. In. And yeah. it's been clear that this guy wants to get paid. He does, and yeah. I think he's going to go out there. I think he's going to have a fantastic year for the Yanks. I really do. Uh, will there be the ups and downs? I guarantee there will be, but it's still going to end up being a great move for them in terms of this season, where it can push them to a level that maybe they haven't been in a while. I still question their pitching a little bit, but we'll see what happens. But I still think he's going to put up big time numbers because. He knows what's on the line. He wants that paid. this has been talked about for years. Everyone thought he'd be the first $500 million player. And um, obviously, um, Otani beat him to the punch on that. But he can still cash in big time. And I think he will.
0: Yeah, I agree with Rosie on this. Once Soto went to the Yankees, it greatly diminished the Mets' chances of landing him. I'm not saying it's impossible. But I just, I think it's going to be tough. Would be fun to watch. Would be fun to watch. It would be fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. The Yankees have also never really been in this situation before. Correct. As much as the Yankees get superstars and they have not only for our entire lifetimes, but basically since George Steinbrenner, the Yankee, I mean, obviously in their entire history, but I mean like of free agency and trades and flexing the financial wealth, you know, the Yankees have always done that, but the Yankees have never done something like this. The Yankees usually do the John Carlos Stanton thing. They absorb a contract. And that player winds up with them for a long time. The other thing they do, Ibby, is they go all in in the free agent market. They go out and they sign Jason Jambi, Mark Teixeira, CC Sabathia. They don't usually trade for a guy on the last year of his contract. It's just a little bit of uncharted territory for the Yankees. I'm not saying the Mets are going to get him. I'm not saying the Yankees are going to not keep him. I'm just saying this plan... Is different from what the Yankees usually do because they are usually say, "Hey, we got so much money, we'll absorb the contract, or we're going to go out and we're going to throw three hundred million dollars or whatever uh, Garrett Cole makes." Like that, I mean, they're going to go and they're going to sign him, and they keep their own guys, a la Aaron Judge. This is a very weird thing. I can't think of the last time the Yankees have done something like this and then paid a huge deal to the guy. I, I don't remember. It's you can uncharted.
1: Tell me- it's uncharted territory for sure. And uh, to the names that you were saying before, also different time, different time. They they handle business a little bit different now. So I, I'm very fascinated to see how that entire thing is going to play out. And that's not just from a Mets fan standpoint either. That that's just me loving baseball and um and the business behind it at times with with contracts like this and how you know some teams are going to go about potentially attacking it. i I'm, I'm very curious to see how the Yanks, who have been passive uh, in the past. Um, They were steadfast on Yamamoto. They stayed at 300 while others went up a little bit more. And obviously the Dodgers landed them. So I'm curious to see, you know, would that same thing happen here? Uh, I think what he does for them and what he provides for them is going to be a a big, a big telling point uh, in terms of how they go about attacking it. But uh, it's going to be fascinating nonetheless.
0: Yeah, uh, look, we're at an hour and forty minutes. We gotta get out of here. We didn't talk about uh G-Man Choi or Luke Voigt. Um, just solid got signs. Us. solid yeah, signs But yeah, hit on that real quick. Anything else you want to say?
1: Um, a couple of things. Uh, I'll use this as my final thoughts, uh, so we can get out of here quickly. Uh three things real quick. G-Man Choi, Luke Voigt, solid signs, nothing special. Could they fill in a DH here and there? Potentially, we'll see what happens in that sense. Uh, I also put down on the rundown uh Francisco Lindor's leadership. If if you guys get an opportunity, if you Don't have The Athletic. Ask me. I'll send you the article because it's fascinating. A breakdown by Will Salmon about the leadership of Francisco Lindor. When you hear people talking ill of Francisco Lindor, please read this article so you get an idea of who he is as a person and what he has done for this team in the short amount of time that he's been here. I'm tired of people ripping on the guy, what he's done. The fact that he was hurt in spring training last year didn't say a word could have easily shut it down when this team was done and opt to play 160 out of 162 games, you know, should have been a gold glove winner was 30, uh-huh. 30, a player like that still taking time to support younger players as well. He gets it. He understands he's a superstar player an all around player that you should all be thankful that is wearing this Jersey for the next handful of years. And finally, I want to give a quick shout out to a lot of our fellow podcast creators, the Latin hour, Tonight, giving them some respect between mm-hmm. the Mets Trucker Pod, Baseball Tone, Shea and Sons, Key and Keith, Subway to Shea at Rivera, and um, uh, Nelson over uh, Amish Country Mets fan does the interstate report with CP. They're all going to be doing a show tonight at 8 o'clock, so 45 minutes you guys got to um, to get ready for that one, uh, representing the Latin community, Spanish community community. Uh, amongst Mets content creators, putting some limelight on themselves. I think it's going to be awesome. It's great for them. I'm going to make sure I'm going to be uh, in the comments and watching with them. So a uh, shout out to them. And I'm sure you guys are going to kill and have a great show. Uh,
0: yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, great. Absolute shout out to all of those folks. Um, they do terrific work. Follow their individual shows, go out and support um, this collaboration that they're doing here tonight as well. Um, I'm going to try to check in the comments as much as I can. I have to pack. I have an early flight tomorrow. I'm <laughs> just kind of, just kind of the that that kind of a week. I'm just running running ragged at the moment. But um, you know, I I like the Luke Voigt um signing. I like the both the Voigt and the the choice signing. Um, I think they both can provide a little bit of backup, a little bit of stability. Um Voigt specifically, Ibby, I kind of said something on Twitter and a lot of people like disagreed. Some people agreed. Um, I think Luke Voigt is a good cheap, very cheap, zero risk, potentially maybe not high reward, maybe mid-level reward uh, signing because we've talked about how the Mets are putting a lot of eggs in the Vientos and Beatty basket and that they both need to succeed. And look, I don't think Luke Void is a game changer. I don't think Luke Void has been good for a couple of years, but I think he's good depth. And I think Luke Voigt, if you had to give him at bats, I think he'll hit 20 home runs. So, and we talked last week, was it two weeks ago? You know, how many home runs do you think Beatty and Biancos can hit if they were given 500 at bats or whatever we talked about or 600 plate appearances, whatever the number was? So, you know, I don't know what Luke Voigt is. I don't think he's some kind of savior. I don't think, I just think in AAA, he's stashed depth. You know, if all of a sudden you get to, you know, the end of May and Beatty and Vientos are not hitting and not hitting for any power, you know, you have somewhere you can go, especially if the team is performing well despite those numbers. So I just think it's a, it's kind of what I would describe as like a sneaky good move. No risk, zero minor league deal. And, and Choi is, is kind of similar in that regard too. So, and yeah, the, the article from, um, from Will Salmon on Francisco Lindor is terrific. Uh, Francisco Lindor is terrific. I will never stop. Um, I will never, ever, 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 ever stop uh, singing his praises um, because Lindor is absolutely the best. Um, and, and Keith makes a good point here. Um, Voight is, is greater than Vogelback. Yeah, like when, when you go, the kids need to play. The kids need to be the ones to be evaluated. But if that evaluation is turning up something you don't like, you can do much worse than stashing a guy like Luke Voigt in the the minors. That's all I'm saying. So um, with that said, Ibby, before we get out of here, remember Till Mets Do Us Part partnered with Manscaped with the promo code TMDUP, TMDUP, which is Till Mets Do Us Part. You can use that site-wide at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping, including... The Performance Package 4.0, which Ibby and I were both gifted. You could tell because there's that newspaper, and this is the newspaper that comes with it right here. Uh, some product stuff. Ibby is holding the products in his hands. You might think that manscaping is not for you. You might think that it is not your thing. I just suggest to those people who have never really done it before, check out the website. Because Ibby, you got the... the, the uh, The weed whacker in your hand, the nose trimmer, everybody Uh, needs to trim their nose and their ear. You need to do that. You you might think that you might think that manscaping is not for you. You might say, I'm not shaving my back. I'm not shaving my nether regions. I'm not doing that. I don't care. Well, you should, you should trim your nose hair because nobody wants that. Nobody wants that shit sticking out of your face. You should trim (laughs) your ear hair if you have it. You know, they have stuff for your beard. They have stuff. They have product. Like I mentioned earlier, they have the the underwear. The underwear is super comfortable. If you play sports, if you go to the gym – you can wear them. They are perfect for that. They are breathable. They are comfortable. They are soft. It feels nice. So check out manscape.com. Use the code TMDUP. That'll let them know that we sent you. So, um, you know, with that being said, Ibi, uh, I think this is a great episode. I always love talking with you. Um, and hopefully uh, by next week we have some good news uh, on Kodai Senga or at least, in the, at the very least, no news being good news. Um, right. And we can move on. And maybe, I don't know though. I don't know. Maybe by next week, there aren't still 175 free agents left that don't have homes. We'll see. We'll see what we'll happens. See. Anyway, John Saponaro, Matt Ibi-Ibanez, Till Mets Do Us Part. If you haven't hit the thumbs up yet, please Sub hit the, channel. the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the channel. Four
1: away from 700.
0: Four away from 700. On, if guys, you missed four. any of the show, on, you, you do can- it entire show on this YouTube channel as soon as we end the broadcast here in a couple seconds. And if you want to listen to the show instead, we're available on every podcast platform you can imagine starting in about an hour or so. So uh, make sure that you uh, head on over, listen or watch wherever it is that you prefer to listen or watch. But wherever you do that, make sure that you subscribe so that you never, ever, ever miss an episode. Once again, I'm John. That's Ibby. It's Tilt Mets. Do us part. Peace.